podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Straycast, a bonus episode this week with Brian Murphy, chairman of the West Limerick Mansion Night Supporters Club, who set off on his travels to Birmingham under pretty, well, not so pretty circumstances. Lead us into your trip, Brian. How are you? How you doing? Yeah, Bergamon was looming. Quite excited to get over there for the Euro away. Flights booked. Actually, the ticket, the ticket was quite funny. We knew the tickets were being released at, I think, 11 a.m. on the morning of the Liverpool game. So we were in the Paramount Bar before the game. Gang of us. I wasn't really bringing it up to anyone because obviously I didn't want too many people clicking trying to get tickets, trying to get one myself. So about quarter to eleven, I started thinking about it. Going, Jesus, I better be getting on this now. Yeah. You led a couple of tables over. Going, yes, got a ticket for Atlanta. Yes. I was like, oh bollocks, tickets are out already. So I started clicking. Managed to get one. Most lads around the table didn't get one. So I was buzzing with that. Booked my flight straight away. Booked the hotel. All done. Excellent. Offered Liverpool game. We won't mention that one. Trip planned, great form, looking forward to it. When you were booking that, something I heard there in the past week, that Ryanair has a bit as a hub there. So it must have been pretty easy to get that direct flight. And costly, it wasn't too bad, was it? No, it couldn't have been easier. I mean, literally popped onto the Ryanair app, booked me flight Dublin to Bergamo, which is the home of Atlanta, direct, simple. Could not be easier. Flying out at 20 past six in the morning, be there at 10 a.m. local time. Beautiful day ahead of sightseeing and spending a bit of time with the lads, having a few points, get the, get the beers in, pre-match warm-up, you know, the, the typical, usual crack you get at. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. So the, the booking the flight was easy, but getting onto the flight wasn't so much. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, so being from West Limerick, I'm about two and a half, maybe two hours, 40, 45 minutes away from Dublin Airport. Typically, most of the flights we get for games, for some reason, they're always at 20 past six in the morning which is kind of unsociable considering you have to be there an hour or two beforehand and you've got to leave to take the journey into account. So usually kick off, usually there's a few of us going, but usually we kick off around one o'clock in the morning-ish. So as you can imagine, getting a bit of sleep beforehand is vital because you're not going to get a whole lot of sleep once you get on your travels, once you get over to Manchester or Bergamo. Take into account as well, you had been working that evening beforehand. Yeah, I'd worked late. I'd worked from... About half seven that morning, ah, about quarter to eight that morning, and I got home about seven o'clock that evening. So I did a good 12 hour shift, nice hard day's work. I planned on, I was kind of time with going to sleep for a few hours early, which I'm not really good at, or staying up and just going straight. So um, unfortunately, my little fella was sick. So the wife took him upstairs to bed. That was our room gone. The spare room was in use that night because we had visitors. So I said, right, I'll go to the couch and I'll watch a bit of Netflix and be grand. Should I get up there on half? 12, quarter past 12, go for a shower, grab the bag, out the door, gone. That didn't quite happen. <laughs> no, so stage one, we got, got on the couch, throw on Netflix, happy days on my phone, messing about on Twitter or whatever else. Um, then I fell asleep. Then I woke up about 20 past four in the morning. I knew the second I woke up, I said, oh shit, there's no way I'm after waking in time for this. 
looked at the phone 20 past four I said oh my heart sank popped upstairs to herself and I was like I'm after missing my flight and she just looked and she said oh you absolute dickhead so I kind of resigned immediately I resigned to the fact I'm not making this one it's in Italy there's no going to work like if it was Manchester it'd be grand you could fly somewhere relatively easy and just pop up to Manchester but I was looking thinking Italy I haven't been to Italy before there's no way this is going to work out so depression set in um Walked downstairs, made a cup of, sat on the couch, feeling very sorry for myself. And then I just thought, maybe, maybe the way. Um, let's have a little quick check on Skyscanner and see can we find a route. And you got um, one. You got one in the end. Now, it came with lots of hustle and bustle because you had to spend Tuesday not sightseeing or, or drinking with your pals, but on a on a train through, through Italy. Yeah, so... I looked at trying to get to Bergamo. That was out of the question. There's not a whole pile of flights from Ireland to Italy daily. Um, so I knew I was in trouble some bit. And usually last minute flights, you're going to get fleeced. It's going to cost you an absolute fortune. And I had kind of said to myself before I started looking, if this is going to be outrageous money, just give up. Just forget about it. Yeah. I, I just got I just got lucky. I, I went on the Ryanair. I went on Air Lingus, went on Ryanair, went on Skyscanner. And I found a flight from Dublin to Turin about half 10, 11 o'clock maybe. So that gave me enough time to get ready here, hop in the van, drive up to Dublin airport, have enough time to get to the airport and get checked in. So I said, right, no idea, of course, obviously on the geography of Italy, where Turin is, yeah. it could have been taught north, south, God knows. Started popping in into Google Maps, seeing how long would it take to drive here? That was out of the question. How long would it take to get there? Don't have a credit card anyway, so I wasn't going to be driving. Um, couldn't hire a car. So I went off on my little military precision booking planning of how do you get to Turin, from Turin to Bergamo in time to collect my ticket at the United Ticket Point, which closed at 7 p.m. local time for a 9 p.m. kickoff. So, uh, so yeah, I started planning trains and taxis and a bus and bits and pieces, and off I went on my own, which was a nice, lonely, boring trip. Credit to you because... You would have learned a lot from that trip, especially going to a country you said you've never been to before um, and then having to navigate your way around the country over a missed flight. You know, you really put the, put the miles in. Tell me the night before you, you left for the, for the game, there was reports from um, La Gazzetta that a sport in Italy that there was some United fans injured after a clash in town. Um, the ultras were, were making their noise heard. And um, what were they like when you were there? It was funny because even when I booked the flights and I booked the trip to this game, I was chatting to a friend of mine. A friend of mine is a for his own sins, he's a Chelsea fan, but he's done he's been home and away and all over Europe with Chelsea. And when I said I was going to the Atlantic game, he instantly was like, Are you sure? I was like, Yeah, why not? He was like, No, they're they're lunatics, them lads, them Atlanta boys, they're well known for being proper, proper hardcore ultras. So that kind of put the nerves on me straight away. In in some respect, I was thinking, Jesus, maybe these boys had bad bastards, all right. So I started doing a little bit of research into them, and by all accounts, they seem to be fairly boisterous and fairly um clientele. The night before, I saw on Twitter that they came into a bar to attack the United fans. Mm. Um, if you looked at it face value, a gang of them came with hoods up. Came they as far didn't do as much really. Ah, they walked up as far as the door. I was talking to a few lads that were there since. They walked up as far as the door of the bar. They pretended to bust in. They threw a glass or a bottle or something. They actually injured an Italian lady who ended up going out the door with them to go to hospital. And they pretty much turned their heels and legged it. So I kind of thought straight away, these boys aren't really up to that much, are they? So no. I still had it in the 
my mind, obviously, especially being a United fan and, and you know well that you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Like, you can't exactly look Italian when you're a fat plumber from Limerick. You're going to, do you know what I mean? Um, so I did kind of have it in the back of my mind. And I had a, a fairly big bandy flags with me, which I had stuffed up my jacket. So I looked pregnant walking around with a big massive flag stuck up my little rain jacket. Standing out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord Italian fellas casing me out like I'm the first ever pregnant man to walk around the place and <laughs> trying to get back down for a picture and things to know getting battered for yeah it was a good job but no they were up to nothing they, they never really they never reared their head at all like before the game even after the game inside the city at 1am heavy police presence but no um, no sign of them no. when it was announced with a, a few minutes to go before Ronaldo's equaliser that you'd have to stay in behind for an hour I was kind of I was thinking of yourself and the night we've just endured and, and the day you'd endured. Did the, did the end of the game, did, did, did it mean something a bit more than that you could stay around for the last hour and have a laugh? There was a reason to, you know, sing a song or two. To be honest, we, it, no one really heard it. When it came off the tannoy, how long it was, it was going to be, there was a bit of confusion because one lad was saying, did he just say an hour 45? Did he say an hour and a half? Did they say <laughs> No one knew how long it was going to be exactly. And we were obviously fairly pissed off with the result and the performance at the time. So it was a bit of a kick into the teeth thinking, Jesus Christ almighty, I'm going to have to stand here after travelling half of Italy for an hour and a half, depressed after all, after getting beat by a bunch of Atlantans. Like, what? what is this all about? This is shite. Next thing, Greenwood popped a little ball up, teed up Mr. Ronaldo, and he pulled one out of the bag and the place just went insane it was just it was absolute scenes did you see i want to get your opinion on paul Scholes' reaction to the goal did you think that was odd i got a bit of slack on twitter for for calling it out it's been a bit strange i know some people might argue that that this game ultimately paper over cracks we're going to see the same old ding dong again but like to celebrate a goal like that fucking why not you must be miserable not to. if you're a united fan and you don't lose your shit when you score a, a, an injury time goal, regardless if it's Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba, or Axel Tuanzebe. It doesn't matter who scores it, what, yeah. who it's a, what game it's in. If you score an equaliser in injury, it's just, it's always, it's always a little bit special. You have to rescue it, you have to pull it out of the bag. You might have played shit for 90 minutes, but you've rescued it. Yeah. Paul, I haven't seen Scholes' reaction to it, because to be honest with you, Paul Scholes was a mute for his entire career and then he came out of football and decided he found a voice and wanted to be the most miserable bastard that ever grew two legs I have no idea what's wrong with him but he's just so it's a good point though because you'd never hear from him when he was a player never now he's going around slate and United left right and centre I mean Jesus Paul relax man you're supposed to be a red give us a bit of credit now and again there's no point in going on the team week in week out we get enough of that of our own fans and we give it to the crowd ourselves I mean we don't need it one of United's poster boys through the years to be on BT Sport shelling into all he's going to Solskjaer and giving fucking yards out about everyone. Man, give us a break. Like, Jesus Graham, that's his role. Just on this, because it's a question I wanted to ask, like for this story alone, your trip, um, it fits wonderfully the message to diehard supporters share online that for the love and not the glory. Um, what do you say to those that, that don't get it or those that have been sitting behind on social media in recent weeks and abusing respected members of fan media um, in order to kind of twist their, their slant. Like I've seen Andy Mitten doing his job as a journalist 
And you've got these people who have never been anywhere near Old Trafford on social media, criticizing him, calling them all sorts. Not not loads, but there has been a few masses of it. And it's just ridiculous, really. Gary Neville, by the way, was another one people are trying to put words into his mouth as well. Yeah, I I actually did notice that one. It it makes me smirk a bit because, to be honest with you, I don't really keep track of a lot of the the fan media outlets. Hmm. United We Stand definitely is one I've, for over the years, I've always, I've listened to every, probably every podcast they come out. Every game, after the game, I look forward to listening to the, to the boys on United We Stand. Um, Andy Mitten is someone who I respect greatly as, not just a red, but as a journalist. Yeah. Uh, see lads going in on him, like you said, who've never probably seen inside Old Trafford. They're going in on a fellow who's travelled the world with United and in football in general, not just United. I mean, the man is an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to football. That fella is, a, is not a sensationalist. He's not doing it just to get clickbait. Look at his content. I mean, even writing for the likes of the Athletic and that, his content is, is top quality and it's yes, always yeah. it's balanced and it's good and it's interesting and it's factual based. And He gives his own opinion on stuff, but he doesn't shove it down your throat. It's enjoyable content. It's content for normal folk. On, in stark contrast to some of the stuff you see on like the fan cam channels and that, where it, it is literally pushing a target of clicks and likes. So... I don't really take a whole point of notice to these people that are making them comments towards likes of Mitten and them because what, what do they add to the fan base themselves? Nothing. They don't go to games. They don't really partake in any of the, the fan culture. They don't have anything to offer in respect to opinions. They're just sitting there in their, probably in their parents' basement, mouthing off on Twitter, just grow up. 100%. Um, I can't have you on about the game against Adelanza asking you about the game itself. Um, did you did you get to see much of it or were you were you too busy? Um, funnily enough, for a man who'd be well known for hitting the sesh, I consumed the entirety of a half bottle of Heineken in my panic in the whole entire day. So oh, I ended up I knew they were gonna they were going they were on about closing the bars in Bergamo due to the, uh, the prospect of fan trouble. What they decided to do in the locality was stop the sale of any glass bottle including soft drinks and minerals. No glass bottle, um, couldn't take alcohol outside and couldn't do 5% this. percentage alcohol as well. It wasn't over yeah. 5% and stuff. Anything over 5%. So no Jager bombs, no Sambucas, that kind of crack. To be honest, I was doing so much traveling and so much panicking about my times. And if I was going to get delayed, would I make the match? I didn't even entertain the, the, the thoughts of stopping somewhere for a drink. I just stopped for a slice of pizza in Milan, which was sensational. Um, got to run into a local grocery store and they had bottles of Heineken inside in the fridge, grabbed a bottle of Heineken, had half of it. It was probably kind of half disgusting, so I just chucked it in the bin, got into the game. The game itself was um, game itself was a typical modern United game where it's one of those games, you start off the game as usual going, right, this is a good performance here. Oh, come on, boys, solid performance. Let's perform on the field. Let's, let's show everyone we're, we're a decent team. We can click, we can play together. And then you spend 88 of 90 minutes going, Jesus Christ, what is wrong? Mm. Why just not working? Like, I mean, it was, call a spade a spade. The performance overall was pretty, pretty grim. It was poor. It was poor across the field. It was poor in defence. Lacked a bit of spark. The formation didn't really set, sit right at the start. Varane, Varane was having a belter of a game. He had to go off injured. Um, a few notable senior members of the team like Harry Maguire had a shocker Paul Pogba again had a shocker just didn't really seem to click Rashford was 
Rashford was playing the central two up front, but he was more naturally deviating out to the left wing, which left that kind of shape out of shape in a, in a sense. Um, just didn't think we, we clicked very well after a good performance at Spurs. I was a bit disappointed with that. Changed things around. Some some changes came because of injuries. Some changes were tactical. Um, thought Matic, a fellow I'm not a massive fan of, thought Matic did very well when he came on. Thought Jaden Sancho showed some great um, energy. He added a bit of spark to the side. Donny van der Beek, I thought, played well for his cameo. He did quite I well. Looking at the score. Oh, gee, that was right in front of us as well. There was a massive breathe-in moment where everyone was like, oh my God, has he done it? And your man pulled off a, a crack and save in fairness. Um, we had moments in the game with some decent spells, but we just don't seem to click. It's it's one of those weird things. Like, if all you can get that side to click and get them to play football and, and a bit of cohesion amongst them, they'll do damage. But it's just it's just not seeming to click at the moment. Um, tell us what it was like leaving the ground. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to guess that you've never had a police escort before, but you never quite know with, with, with some of you lads from, from down in Limerick. Um, I had a police escort when I was five years of age. It was my first one, would you believe? <laughs> first police escort was across the centre of London when I ended up spending six months in Great Ormond Street Hospital with meningitis as a child. Yeah, That was no my way. first police. Yeah, yeah. Um, other than that, the only other police escorts I've had since, I might have been in trouble or I've been in a place I shouldn't have been, but... Um, the one after the game, yeah, it was grand. Yeah, we got we got kept in. So, spent an hour, an hour and a half talking, shy to a lot of different lads from all over. Um, spoke to some, spoke to a few lads from France who had travelled down through Switzerland for the game. They were they were good lads. A few Swiss, it's good lot of Manx, a lot of Irish lads. Just a final point then before we wrap it up, Brian. Will Ollie's job feel untenable if Manchester United lose the derby on Saturday? It's a very good question because. It's not easy to answer. You need to predict what the board and United want to do going forward. Um, if you ask me leaving Old Trafford after the Liverpool game, what's the situation with Oli? I probably would have said I don't think any Man United manager, given what's gone before him, would survive that game. Yeah, uh, I didn't think he'd survive. In, in, in the knee-jerk heat at the moment, I thought he was in serious trouble. I thought it was game over. Then reading more into it as things progressed, I get the feeling the club don't want to sack him. I don't think they really, really want to, which is a big thing. They don't feel that they really want to deep down get rid of him. They're giving him a chance. The Spurs game, look, it's only a game. One game doesn't doesn't turn the whole world around, but it was a good performance. It was a change of formation. It showed that he had a bit of tactical ability there to, to change it up a bit. Then again, that same tactical ability fell apart in Atlanta, Barron getting rescued with a late last minute goal. Um, the City game, it's... We're just one of those teams under Ollie. Like we could easily go out and beat them two 0 Yeah, we've done, we've done it before. You just don't know what you're going to get. Which for me as a fan is one of those things that I enjoy. I don't know what I'm going to get when I go to the game on a Saturday or Sunday. We're either going to turn up and be brilliant, or we're going to be absolutely a <laughs> no one knows. You know, Russian you know, roulette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's, it's in a kind of a sick and sadistic kind of way. It's kind of enjoyable in this sense. But I don't think even if we get beat, unless we get absolutely battered off the pitch, and it it, it makes it's unavoidable that he has to go I don't think he's going to get sacked even if we get beat 1 or 2 nil or 2-1 or 3-1 whatever I don't think there's many options out there I think the club know that I don't think there's anyone that they really think yeah we'll give it to him Conte's gone to Spurs he was getting touted about it Zidane there's rumours he's not interested do we really want Zidane personally no um, there's not many options out there so better the devil you know it. well look ultimately um, you, you mentioned Zidane there that's not one 
that jumps out to me as you know you hear all these people that slate the current manager for not having a style of play for not having this philosophy that they're all looking at across at City and Liverpool and so on but Sudan doesn't necessarily have that either so people arguing his name in the ring I'm not too sure I think Conte is one of the top managers out there and he's gone to Spurs and ultimately there's not that there's not no one really standing out if United were to appoint someone else so you're probably right. Um, I have no doubt in my mind it'll be the talking point at the weekend if Manchester United starts Saturday with a defeat. It will be a talking point, but the club didn't bow to the pressure after the, the 5-0 against Liverpool. There's no real clear signs that they're going to do it now. Brian, amazing trip. Thanks for joining me and telling, telling us your story. We'll speak to you again soon on the Stratocast. Cheers, Dale. Talk to you again. Sports Social Podcast Network.